This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. We're in a series called Blind Spot. Uh, If you're taking notes and you want a title, you can write down the word time. We're going to be talking about time today, okay? How many of you know this? that time is the most valuable possession on earth. We all agree with this? That there's just not enough time in a day. Now, when you're young, okay, you have this feeling like you have all the time in the world. How many of you remember that? Just feeling like you just had all the time in the world. You had years and years and years. I just turned 40 this summer, and it was kind of like one of those moments, one of those times in my life where I was like, man, time is ticking. Time is flowing. And how many of you know that it feels like every year goes faster and faster and faster? Like, dude, listen, we're 100 days away from Christmas. Come on. I know. I know some of you, you just had a heart attack, okay? Some of you, you were like, yes, bust out the Christmas. Listen. I went to Lowe's the other day. They had the Christmas stuff out. I'm like buying Christmas lights. I want to put them up now in protest of Halloween. I just don't even like Halloween. I'm like, I'm just going to decorate my house for Christmas now. And like, we are all good. Okay. Now time matters. Ask an NFL quarterback. Ask my Chicago Bears NFL quarterback. Put that picture up of my man, Mitch Trubisky, last week, okay? Listen, he played terrible for the first three quarters. And I know a bunch of you aren't Bears fans, but it's okay. I'm going to let you know about the Bears because you need to make a decision today to get right with the Lord and become a Chicago Bears fan, okay? He had a horrible first three quarters. But then what happens? In the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter... Because why? The fourth quarter matters because there's only 15 minutes left in the game. My man came back and did what? Threw three touchdowns and shut the mouth of the lion in Jesus' name. That's what my God does. He shuts the mouth of the lion. Listen, we're playing the Giants today, and we know what's going to happen. God's already declared it in the Word of God. He's going to slay the giant today in Jesus' name, okay? Right? Time matters. Let me ask a question. Anybody want a $100 gift card today? I knew you wanted it. I knew, come here, come here. Real quick, you gotta, you gotta come. You gotta, you gotta, oh, he's got his notes. He's got a Bible. We should put you up on stage. Make sure everybody, here, we're gonna, you wanna, you wanna win this? Sure. All right, come here, okay? Listen, we're gonna do this, Okay. Where's my phone? I'm going to give you one minute, okay? You got to look at the screen, okay? I'm going to give you one minute, and you have one minute to tell me the names of, I have 20 different celebrities, 20 different people, and you got to name 10 of them in one minute to win this $100. Oh, gosh. You think you can do it? Picture's going to be up there. Picture's going to be up there. All right, we can try. We can try? Yeah? Yeah. Now tell all these terrible people that they can't help you right now, okay? Oh, you can help. My wife. wife, I know, she wants this. She can help me. She can help you? She wants this $100. To become one. To become, all right, all right, hey. We're prophesying up here. All right, Alyssa, you ready? Can she help me? She's saying no. No. You don't want to help your hubby? You don't want to go on a date night? All right, how about we all help? Is that cool? All right, here we go. I'm going to start this. Are you ready, Alyssa? Here we go. On your marks, get set, go. Uh, Michael Jordan. One. Mario. Two. Uh, Tom Hanks. Three. SpongeBob. Four. LeBron. Five. Trump. Six. Woody. Seven. (laughs) Grinch. Eight. Darth Vader. Dr. Phil. Ten, oh, right. I didn't. I didn't pick him. Listen, you went ten for ten. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. 
You're just so smart, aren't you? You guys? Just full of the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. $100. Give it up, everybody. Let's go. Everybody's like, why didn't I raise my hand? That was so easy. What am I showing you? Number one, the time mattered. What else mattered? What he knew mattered. Correct? So we have to understand that we are in this moment, and the Lord will not let me get past this one place. Whole time, I'm laying in bed, literally laying in bed for like 10 days, y'all, okay? Just laying in bed. And every day, the Lord's talking to me. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. We are running out of time. And so we're gonna talk about three areas that a lot of believers have blind spots when it comes to understanding the season and the time that we're in. Number one today is this, if you're taking notes, Jesus' return is intimate. We're like so close. And I'm not telling you that to freak you out. I'm telling you that hopefully that brings excitement and joy and peace and security to your soul that you're like, man, Jesus is just about to bust through the clouds and we are about to go home. This earth is not my home. Heaven is my home. My address is 111 heaven. About to go home. Matthew chapter 24, verse 32 through 34, this is what Jesus said. He said, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right around the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. So we know this. We know that Jesus is talking about the fig tree. And what is the fig tree? The fig tree is Israel. Jesus is saying, look at Israel. And we saw Israel bloom in 1948. We saw Jerusalem won back in 1967. We're seeing it before our very eyes. And then Jesus makes this very profound statement. He says, somebody from this generation will not pass the scene until all things come to pass, meaning what? Not just the rapture, but the second coming of Christ. So somebody that was born and saw these things come to pass, that generation will not pass away. Meaning what? We're running out of time. Time is at the essence. Listen, I say this all the time. Plan like you're going to be here for 100 years, but live like Jesus is coming tomorrow. Time is at the essence. Number one, Jesus is coming really soon. Number two thing we need to understand is this, the rapture of the church. Rapture of the church. Luke chapter 17, verse 24 says this. I'm gonna go through this slow because I wanna make sure that we all understand this and we all get this, okay? Verse 24, it says, for as lightning flashes out of one part of heaven under under heaven shines out the other part under the heaven. Also, the Son of Man will be in his day. What is this saying? That lightning, when lightning flashes, you know it's just fast. It's just quick. It just happens. This is what's going to happen when that rapture happens. It's going to be fast. It's going to be quick. It's just going to be right there. Verse 25. But he first must suffer many things by being rejected by this generation. And as it was in the day of Noah... Okay, so Jesus wants us to understand something. Right before he comes back, it's gonna be just like the days of Noah. Okay, he's letting you know. He's giving you a tip. He wants you to understand something. It's going to be very similar, just like the days of Noah. So it will also be when the Son of Man returns. Verse 27, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until that day Noah entered the ark. What is interesting to me is this, 
is that everyone on the earth thought Noah was an idiot. Right? I'm sure there was nobody championing Noah. I'm sure nobody was coming by being like, hey, you need a hand with this massive boat you're building? Hey, you need, you know, you need me to help lift some of this timber? They thought he was an idiot until when the ark closed up and it started to rain, right? So Jesus is saying, listen, right before I come back, there's gonna be a generation of people that are going to be speaking, getting the, preparing the way for my return. And people are gonna think, you're a bunch of idiots. Right? You go to that crazy church that believes that Jesus is like really close to coming. Right? People are gonna be like, are you ignorant? Are you stupid? How could you believe such things? So Jesus is referring to this, but he's also giving us a clue that right before he comes back, there's gonna be buying and selling and trading of goods and people are gonna get married and it's gonna be just like it was in the day of Noah. They were having parties and weddings and feasts and all kinds of different things right until that day. Amen? Okay, verse 28. Likewise, it was like the day is a lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on that day, hear the language. He wants us to understand. It's a day. On that day, on that day, Jesus is going to rapture the church. Okay? Everybody who is a believer follower, follower of Jesus Christ, we're gonna exit the earth like that like a flash of lightning, on that day. But on that day, when Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire, brimstone from heaven, and destroyed all. Even so it will be on that day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he also, in that day, he who, has, he who is in the housetop and he whose goods are in the house, let him not come down and take him away. And likewise, no one in the field let him return back. Verse 32, remember Lot's wife, okay? Jesus goes, I need you to remember something, okay? I went and took Lot and his family out of the city. Why? Because God protects the righteous, right? Can I get an amen? God loves the righteous, so he loves you. He's for you. So he protects the righteous. So he goes and he takes Lot and his family out. But what happened with Lot's wife? Lot's wife gets out of the city, and then what does she do? She, do? she turns back. Why? Why does she turn back? Because she loves her world. She loves her things. She loved the world more than she loved God. And the moment that she turned back, what does the Bible say? She turns into a pillar of salt, and she dies. So Jesus goes, hey, I want you to remember Lot's wife. Okay, because then in verse 33, it says, those who seek to save his life will be lost, but those who lose his life will be prevented. Verse 34, I tell you the truth. In that night, there'll be two people in bed, and one will be taken away, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding together, and one will be taken, and one will be left. Two men will be in a field, and one will be taken, and one will be left. And they asked them this question, Lord, where do they go? Lord, where are you taking them to? So wherever the body is, the eagles will be gathered together. Jesus is saying, they're gonna meet me in the clouds. I'm gonna come back for my people and my people are gonna meet me in the clouds. So let's, let's answer some questions about the rapture. Some questions and I have some statements. First question is this, people ask me this all the time. They said, what happens if I'm in the shower when the rapture happens? <laughs> I promise you, I have had that question answered to me, okay? And this is my response. I hope you've been working out. <laughs> Naked as a jaybird, flying through the sky. Millions of people meeting Jesus. I hope you got it together, okay? It's a, it's a real question people have asked me, okay? 
Second thing I need you to understand is this. We live in a season of grace. How many of you are so thankful that we live in the disposition of grace? Okay. Meaning this. That Jesus went to the cross, and when he went to the cross, he took all your guilt, shame, sin, condemnation. He took all your sickness. You know what my favorite part was about the last two weeks? I had this day. I was really feeling really, really rough, really rough. And I was like, I'm not going to lay in this bed and just sit here. I'm going to praise Jesus. I was in my bedroom, and I was just worshiping Jesus. And he said, you know this feeling you feel right now? This feeling of like, just like, you, you know what I'm talking about when you have the flu and you're just like, your bones hurt and you're just like, you're just sick. And he goes, I want you to know I took that into my body when I went to the cross. I just felt the grace of God just wash over me. I'm just so thankful that we live in this season of grace. The only thing you have to do in this season of grace is call on the name of Jesus. What a beautiful thing. Make a mistake, you call in the name of Jesus. You feel shameful, you call in the name of Jesus. You're sick, you call on the name of Jesus. We live in the victory of Jesus Christ because he took it in his body, went to the cross, was victorious in the cross, and then what? Raised back to life three days later. Amen? We live in the season of grace. But how many of you know this, that after the rapture, there is no more grace. It will be a season of God's wrath on the earth. So it's really important that we understand the time we're in, understand that we are in this season of grace and that we need to share this season of grace with others. We want them to make the rapture. We want them to meet Jesus in the clouds. The other thing we need to understand is this. People always argue with me. They'll say, you know, I believe that we're gonna be here during the tribulation. And I go, I, I just don't see how you can prove that biblically to me because what I just read, this was Jesus and Jesus was referring back to the Old Testament. Remember, the Old Testament wasn't a season of grace. It was a season of God's, you know, judgment and wrath. Like people like would come against Moses and the earth would open up and they would just die because of God's judgment, okay? Read the Old Testament. You'll read some crazy stories, okay? Crazy stories. Even in the Old Testament, with Noah and Lot, what do we see? God had to get the righteous out before what? His wrath came. This wasn't even the season of God's grace. So Jesus wants us to know, hey, just like that day in time, I've got to get my people out before I bring my wrath, before the wrath comes. Now, I want to give you this story. This isn't biblical. I just want you to think about it this way, okay? Imagine you meet your spouse, okay, and you're dating. Carson, this is a great, great little example right here. We're so excited for Carson. He got engaged. He's getting married. We're so pumped for him. Yes. I know I'm embarrassing you. I'm so sorry. Okay. So let's say Carson goes, I want to marry you, okay? He goes, but there's a catch to it, okay? I want to marry you, but I want to let you know that I'm going to take these seven years, and you're going to have to prove your love to me. You're going to go through the most insane, crazy hell this earth has ever seen, and hopefully by the end of the seven years, you have proved your love to me. This is the argument about the tribulation, God's coming back for his bride. Who's the bride? We're the bride. He's the bridegroom. He's coming to marry his bride, take his bride back, okay? You would think 
that's crazy, God. Because it is crazy. And it's not what God's going to do. God's going to rapture his church. Listen, I am so excited to meet Jesus in the clouds. I'm so excited to see him face to face. So number two is the rapture. Hey, I want I want to hit this really, really quick before I leave this point. A lot of people ask me this question, what's going to happen to my children in the rapture? Okay, and it's a very, it's a smart question to ask. What's going to happen to my kids? Luke 2.52, we see Jesus doing what? He enters the temple. He's doing his father's business, okay? What happens? Jesus turns 12, okay? So what does this show us? In Jewish culture, when you turn 12, you are now an adult, okay? So our number one desire, our number one thing that we have to understand as parents is what? Is we have to get our children into a real, vibrant relationship with Jesus by the time they're 12, the age of accountability. This is really important. It's really important to have your kids in church. It's really important to have your kids in youth group. It's really important to make sure that in your house you are putting Jesus first and that you are leading your family and leading your kids to Jesus, okay? Anybody under 12, they're gonna go right there because you cover them as their parents, okay? As their parents, you cover them. But after 12, they gotta make their own relationship with Jesus. This is why as a youth pastor, I was always so passionate about kids. Listen, you cannot have a relationship with Jesus just because your mom and dad do. You need your own, amen? Okay? Point number three is this, okay? How do I prepare for Jesus' return? If he's coming, which we believe that, he is coming, and he's coming soon, and we believe in the rapture of church, how do we prepare for the coming of Jesus? Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, it says this, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. Five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil in their lamps. What does olive oil represent in this passage? If we look at it through the Hebrew, it represents this, the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the olive oil, the oil that is talked about in this passage is representing the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the Word of God, Jesus himself. Okay, but the other five who were wise took along extra oil when the bridegroom was delayed and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. How many of you know that this is what happens? Okay, how many of you know you hear this your whole life? Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And what happens? We get sleepy, right? We get sleepy in our relationship with Jesus. We get sleepy in our pursuit after Jesus. We get sleepy in running after the things of God. We get tired. We get sleepy because we're like, Jesus is delayed. He hasn't come when we thought he was going to come. Verse 6, it says this. At midnight, they were aroused and shook. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Listen, the earth is signaling to us right now, the bridegroom is coming. The earth's telling us, signaling to us. And there was a shout, look, the bridegroom's coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked, please give us some of your oil because we don't have oil for our lamps, and they're going out. But the others replied, we do not have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But when they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. They sent him away. The bridegroom comes. And then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast. What's the marriage feast? Listen, there's going to be this thing called the tribulation. And it's going to be craziness. It's going to be hell on earth for seven years. Okay? But those who believe in Jesus, we're going to be with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years. I don't know what kind of food's going to be there, but it's going to be the greatest food I've ever ate in my life. Okay? It's going to be just incredible. Okay? 
I mean, if people on earth can cook this way, I can't imagine how Jesus can cook. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to be eating things that you could never even dream of. And we're going to celebrate with Jesus for seven years, okay? And at the end of the seven years, we're going to be right there with Jesus. Jesus is going to come back in the Battle of Armageddon, and he's going to destroy it all, and he's going to reestablish his kingdom on earth, and we're going to be right there with him. Can I get an amen? Okay? But it says this. The door was locked. The door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day and the hour of the return. Okay, so what do, we, what do we need to understand about this passage? Jesus is making it really clear about a couple things. Number one, know Jesus. Like, know Jesus. Be in relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about I just believe in Jesus, and I just believe in God, and I just believe in these things. I'm talking about being in love and knowing Jesus, that you are in a real, vibrant relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus prophesies something in this passage. He says, I want you to know something about the end of the age, and I want you to know something about the church, because the 10 bridesmaids represent what? Church. It represents the church in the last days. Jesus is saying, these are 10 churches in the last days, right before I come back. And he prophesies to us, and he tells us that 50%, five of the 10 churches were fools. And you're like, you're judging. No, 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 I'm not judging. These are the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus told us. So Jesus is prophesying this, that all 10 of these churches associated themselves with who? Jesus. And all 10 of them were ready and waiting and preparing to go to the marriage feast with Jesus when he returned. But five of them don't make it. Right? There's five that don't make it. So how do we know that we are one of the five that makes it? Okay, I'm gonna give you seven things really fast. We're gonna fly through this. Number one is this. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life. Number one, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life. Proverbs says your mouth has the power of life and death. And when you speak, you speak out life and death. And what you proclaim from your mouth has profound, profound it's establishing your whole entire future. What you speak. Number one, Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Number two, believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Romans 10, verse 9 through 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One of the greatest lies in the earth today is that there are many different ways and paths to heaven. There is only one way to heaven. There is only one God to heaven, and it is Jesus and Jesus alone. You have to know and you have to serve Jesus and Jesus alone. Number three, your life has changed since accepting Jesus. After you accept Jesus, I'm just not accepting him, but now I'm following Jesus, and Jesus is changing my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, this means to anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus to become the new person, the old life is gone, and new life has begun. The Holy Spirit will start working on you on many different things, okay? Now, I talked about I'm a huge, crazy, wild Chicago Bears fan. Okay, crazy, okay? How many of you uh, remember a couple years ago, the Bears were in the playoffs and there was a guy named Cody Parkey and he kicked a field goal and it didn't hit just one crossbar, it hit two crossbars, okay? It's called the double doink, okay? Listen, when the double doink happened, I double doink lost my mind and my salvation 
all at the same time. We are together as a family watching this game as a family. When the double doink happens, we have this like Chicago Bears helmet that we wear. I take the Chicago Bears helmet and I chuck it at the wall. The Chicago Bears helmet sticks into our living room wall, okay? I am at the TV telling Cody Parkey he is number one, okay? Over and over. All of my children are watching this. My wife is like, what is happening right now? I want to take the TV and throw it out the door, okay? Some of you are like, where's the kid that was speaking the last couple weeks? Okay, he's, he's nice. He doesn't seem like he has issues like you do. Right? I promise you, it's a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. I know the Bears season's coming, okay? I'm preparing my heart, getting ready for the, for the journey. Because we're winning the Super Bowl this year, okay? I'm just telling you, okay? You can laugh if you want. I don't care. I, listen, we're winning the Super Bowl, okay? So I'm preparing my heart. And I'm literally in here, and I'm like, you're doing my thing. I pray. I walk when I pray, and I'm walking. And you know what the Holy Spirit goes? He goes, no more swearing at the Bears games. I'm like, Jesus, I love you, but I don't know if I heard that one correctly. Are you, what, did, what, what did you say about the Bears game? No more swearing during the Bears games. I want this to be an enjoyable experience for you and your family. All right, God, but you're going to have to give me a double portion of grace, okay? I mean... What am, I, what am I getting to, okay? When you're in relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to work on you. I can proudly say that I did not swear last Sunday. And you're like, you're a pastor. What's wrong with you? You know what I mean? You're like, that should not be like a victory for you. Listen, it was a victory for me last Sunday, okay? Bears were getting killed for the first three quarters. Listen, the Holy Spirit will work on you, right? When you're in relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit works on you. He's changing things. He's working on your life. Number four is this. You hear God's voice. Matthew chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus replied, I've already told you this, but you don't believe me. My proof is in the work I do in my Father's name, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep, okay? He says this, my sheep listen to my voice, okay? So Jesus wants it to be really clear. Followers of Jesus, they hear the voice of the Lord, okay? They hear God's voice. They follow God's voice, Okay, he leads them. And a lot of people ask me, how do I know when God's speaking to me? God's gonna speak to you a few different ways. God's gonna speak, number one, to you through the word of God. Okay, he's gonna use his word to speak to you, okay? Number two, he's gonna lead you by this thing called peace. Okay, when I first got saved, I was dating this girl named Amy. We had been dating for two years. And when I got saved, something weird started to happen. Every time I would go to Amy's house, every time I would go hang out with Amy, I would have this, like, just unsettled feeling in my soul. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been in a moment where you're like, I have no peace about this situation? And I remember this went on for about six months. Every time, and it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. And I remember this, this one night, I got into my car after being at her house, and I remember I just felt gross. I felt, I, I, I do not need to be here anymore. And I remember the Lord very clearly, it was like the very first time I'd ever really heard that very small voice of the Holy Spirit. And he goes, it's either me or Amy. And I knew that it was the voice of Jesus. And I knew that I was gonna have to make a choice. 
The Holy Spirit will speak to you when you're in relationship with Jesus. You just gotta be listening. He'll lead you with peace. Where you have peace, you know you're gonna run and you're gonna have victory. Where there is no peace, you know the Holy Spirit's going, this is a red light, you need to get away from this situation. Number four, God will speak to you. Number five is this, you believe that you're saved by grace and not by works. Ephesians chapter four, verse, uh, chapter two, verse four through five, it says, but God is so rich in his mercy and his love for us that even though when we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you are saved. Can I get an amen from anybody on that, okay? Listen, George Barna, he does this studies and he does his studies with Christians, okay? And then he releases these reports. He just released this report and he says, the study came to this conclusion, slightly over half of all Christians believe that they can have eternal life by being good or doing good. It was 46% of Pentecostals, 44% of mainline Protestants, 41% of evangelicals, and 70% of Catholics. People are telling George Barna what? I believe that if I'm a good person and I do good things, I can go to heaven. What are they really saying? I don't need the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? I don't need his grace. If I just believe in God, if I just believe in Jesus, and I'm a good person, and I do good things, I'm okay. No, 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 no. You are saved by grace. You are saved by the goodness of God. You are breathing because of the goodness of God. You are alive because of the goodness of God. It is by grace that you are alive and you are well and you are strong today, okay? Remember, in Matthew 25, there was five that were foolish and there was five that were wise. Listen, the wise believe that I need the grace of God every single day in my life. Number six, you receive God's words. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Back to Barna's study. Barna says this, 58% of all people in America believe that there is no absolute truth. Pretty scary. 58% of all people in America believe there is no absolute truth. And they believe that the basis, the basics for truth and the factors for truth are sources other than God. 77% believe that right and wrong is determined by other factors other than the Bible. 59% believe that the Bible is not God's authentic, authoritative, true word. 69% believe that people are good and that they're gonna go to heaven. 69% of everybody in America believes that they're good, and because they're good, they're going to go to heaven. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus and not have a relationship with the Word of God. Jesus says in John chapter 1 that he is the Word of God incarnated. To the degree that the Bible turns you on, to the degree that it embarrasses you, to the degree that you reject it, it is a warning sign to you about your relationship with Jesus. When I'm in relationship with Jesus, I covet God's words. I want to know what God is speaking over my life. Number seven, worship team, you guys can come on up, is this. You have a love for the house of God. You have a love for the house of God. People who are in love with Jesus, people who are in relationship with Jesus have a love, a passion for the house of God. Matthew chapter five, Jesus gives us his parable and I don't have enough time to read it all. So I'm just gonna kind of tell you, Jesus gathers his servants and he says, I'm gonna give five bags of silver to you. I'm gonna give two bags of silver to you. I'm gonna give you one bag of silver. And he goes, I'm gonna go away, but then someday I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna return and I want an account for what I've given you. And so the servants go and the one with the five bags invests 
and he makes five more. The one with two invests, and he makes two more. The one with one buries it in the ground, hides it, is scared about losing the money, and so he just buries it in the ground. In verse 21, Jesus returns. Jesus goes, the master returns, and he comes, and he's going to give an account for how these people use this talent, how they use this money. In verse 21, it says this, the master was full of praise, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with handling small amounts. Now I give you many more responsibilities. Come, let's celebrate together. Okay? That's the first one. The second one comes to Jesus, goes, hey, you gave me two bags, I made two more. Jesus says the exact same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on into the joy. Let's celebrate together. And then the third one comes to him the one that hid, the one that wasn't passionate. Verse 26, this is what the master replies. You wicked, lazy servant, you knew I harvested crops where you did not plant and gathered crops where I did not cultivate. Why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least you could have made some interest on it. Verse 28, then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one that has the 10 bags of silver. And verse 30 is this verse that has like, just kind of like rocked my world forever. Just forever. Verse 30, it says this. Throw this useless servant into utter darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The purpose of your life the whole purpose of your life is to serve Jesus. The purpose of your life is to serve his kingdom. The purpose of your life is to bring glory and honor to Jesus and to expand his kingdom. And I know that for a lot of us, we feel like, yeah, that's your purpose because you're the pastor of this church. No, 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 no. That was my purpose long before I was a pastor of this church. That was my purpose when I fell in love with Jesus. When I fell in love with Jesus, I fell in love with him and I fell in love with his kingdom and I wanted to do anything and everything I could possibly do to push his kingdom forward. I remember when I got saved, I went to our youth pastor and I said, hey, I just wanna serve. I just wanna serve God. I wanna serve his kingdom. And she gave me this task. We had this youth group and we had 2,000 kids that would come every Wednesday night. And she said, hey, at the end of Wednesday nights, I need somebody that will go through the amphitheater. I need somebody that will just collect all the trash. And I said, I'm your man. 2,000 young adult students bring a lot of garbage. Service would get done. I'd wait for everybody to clear. I'd get my trash bag. Now I'd walk up and down aisles, picking up trash, picking up trash, picking up trash. I just kept doing it week after week after week because I was excited to serve Jesus. I was excited to serve his kingdom. And then she came to me and she said, hey, I saw that you've been super faithful picking up the trash. I just, I need you to run these cameras. We need somebody to be a camera. I was like, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. Every week, there, making sure my camera was dialed in, making sure the temperature of the, of the camera was right, making sure that I was ready. What am I doing? Serving the Lord, serving his kingdom. Listen, what is Jesus telling us? He's telling us this. When I get back and you're raptured, you're gonna stand before me and you're gonna give an account for how you use your life. What'd you do with your time? What'd you do with your talent? What'd you do with your treasure? Were you in love with Jesus? Were you willing to say, Jesus, I'll serve in any way, any capacity, however you want me to. Whatever you want me to do, Jesus, I'll do it. Jesus, I'll give you my talent. I'll give them to you. I'll serve your kingdom with it. Jesus, my money is your money. You, you're the one who gives it to me. 
I sow, I trust you, I obey you. Jesus, I give you my time, my talent, and my treasure because I love you and I'm passionate about your kingdom and I want to push the kingdom of God forward. Amen? The purpose of our lives are to worship Jesus, to serve Jesus, to make Jesus known, to push his kingdom forward. Amen? Would you stand up this morning? Listen, all of this should be exciting. Now, everybody look at me real quick. Look at me. I want to make this abundantly clear. Jesus is wildly, madly in love with you. I know that a message like this, sometimes you feel like you're getting your toes stepped on. I know a message like this, sometimes you feel like, man, this was a strong word. And yeah, it was a strong word. But I need you to understand something, that Jesus loves you. He's passionate about you. He cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. He knows what you need. He cares about your needs. He cares about your hurts. He cares about your pains. He cares about all this. All that Jesus is trying to do is just grab your attention. The world is fighting for your attention. It's fighting for your thoughts. It's fighting for your soul. It's fighting to distract you. And the Holy Spirit is going, no, 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 no. Jess said it during worship. He's trying to give us a new perspective. The perspective is this. It's all about Jesus. Your life is all about Jesus. It is all about serving Jesus. It is all about making sure right before he comes back, we reach as many people as we can for Jesus Christ. And in it, we know that we know that we know that Jesus loves us, he's forgiven us, he cares about us, and he wants you to live in victory in life. Can I get an amen from anybody? Come on, give it up for Jesus today. Give it up for his word, his truth. Everybody close your eyes. If you're in here today and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life or you need to recommit your life to Jesus, now is that very moment and that very time. Do not let this time, do not let this moment pass by. The word of God says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then he becomes the Lord of your life. So we're gonna pray this prayer together as a family. And if that's you, I want you to pray it and I want you to believe it and I want you to mean it today. Come on, let's pray together. Just say, Father, I come to you and I believe today that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all lords and I make him my Lord. I surrender my life to Jesus. Come into my heart. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your grace. I give you all my sin, all my guilt, all my shame. I release it to you. I believe that you died and rose again victoriously for me. I love you, Jesus. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Come on, raise your hands to heaven. Just come on, worship Jesus. Come on, just worship Jesus. Jesus, we glorify you. We praise you. Oh, you're so wonderful, Jesus. We thank you for your grace.
me tell you this, okay? This is what I'm praying. I'm praying that this week you have encounters with Jesus. I'm praying that this week you have encounters with him at work. I'm praying that this week you have moments that you are at Walmart and God points somebody out and says, you need to go love on that person. You need to go help that person. I'm praying that this week that God starts to speak to you, that he leads you, he directs you, that you have moments. And I want you to do something for me. Prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Be in a posture that says, Jesus, I'm ready to be used. Jesus, however you want to use my life. Jesus, however you want to speak through me. Jesus, whatever you want to do in my life this week. My life is not my life. My life is yours, and I'm here to serve you, and I'm here to push your kingdom forward, and however you want to use me, even if it's weird, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it just makes me feel awkward, Jesus, I know that there's limited time, and I'm willing, and I'm ready for you to use me in supernatural ways. Amen? Open vessels for the Holy Spirit to use in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. What a time to be alive. What a time to be in the earth. It's not a time to be scared. It's not a time to be fearful. It's not a time to back down. It's not a time to shrink. It's not a time to be quiet. It's not a time to back down. It's a time to push the kingdom of God forward. Amen? Come on, give it up for Jesus one more time. Hey, we love you. We love you. We love you. It's beautiful outside. Get outside. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the time. We love you. We love you. Have a great day. We will see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.